All right, well, let's turn our attention to the reading of God's Word. We're going to look at Hebrews 11, 23 through 31 this morning. Uh, it is on page 1284, if you are using one of the Bibles that we have underneath the chair in front of you. Hear now God's holy, true, and life-giving Word. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. After they had been encircled for seven days by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, we just are so thankful that you are a God who reveals himself to his people through your word, most of all through the person and work of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we are desperate for grace. We are longing to understand you more. And um, we are so thankful that you teach us and you form us and you shape us Uh, Lord, let your word do its thing this morning. Let it work in us, on us. Let it melt us and deconstruct us and then build us up in faith. Uh, We pray that our time in the word this morning would be fruitful for the advance of the gospel in our hearts as well as among our neighbors and among the nations. We pray that you would be glorified. And that you would uh, show us that you are our joy. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you know Paul Siemens. Remember him from a few years ago? He was an intern here. He's he's, he's got this great story uh, from when he was a kid. He has a brother who's older. And at the time, his brother was older and taller. And so they went to an Easter egg hunt. And... Uh, the Easter egg hunt had been going on for some time and most of the eggs had been found. And Paul saw one more egg in a tree, kind of uh, between the trunk and one of the branches, pretty pretty high up. So he just takes off running and is heading for this tree to get this egg. And as he is nearing the tree, his bigger, taller brother kind of comes in from the side and reaches up and grabs that egg and is standing there smiling, looking at Paul. And so Paul 
doesn't break his stride. He keeps running full speed. When he gets there, he just, boom, kicks his brother as hard as he possibly can. And his brother keels over, falls to the ground, is wincing in pain. And then he lifts up the egg and he says, I was getting it for you. <laughs> oh, so Paul just uh, tells that story and just he just wishes, he wishes he had had a little more faith in his brother that uh, day. He wished he had assumed the best in his brother that day instead of assuming that he wasn't somehow on his side. And, you know, we've been we've been walking through Hebrews 11. We've been looking at what it means to walk by faith. And one of the absolutely essential elements of living by faith is choosing to believe that God is on our side, that God is for us. That he loves us and that he's for us and that he's working out his good plan in and through us. That he's working for our good. That we assume the best of God, that we trust he knows what he's doing. See, you know, believing that God is for us, that he's on our side, uh, is what really enables us to move forward in faith. It's what empowers us to live by faith, especially in the situations when we know that obeying him, following his call, might cost us. Because as we follow Jesus, there are these times in our lives where obeying him is going to cost us. And, you know, think about this, for example. Um, Occasionally there's a, there's a man who has a job that pays really well, but he travels so much, uh, and he's working so many hours each week that he's not really able to be there for his family. Uh, and, and, and sometimes when that happens, he becomes convicted of the fact that he knows that God teaches him that he's to be there for his wife and kids. He's to love his wife as Christ loved the church and give himself up for her. He's to love his children and to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so he, maybe he begins to think, I've got to do something different. I need to be around. I need to be there for my family. And maybe he feels like he needs to go to his employer and draw a line in the sand and say, Just, I need to be around more. I can't work this much. I can't travel this much. Because he feels God leading him to do so. Now, if that's the case, he's probably very likely starting to list all the things that it might cost him. You know, doesn't your heart do that? We start thinking about, like in that case, you might think, well, I might lose my job. They might fire me. Or uh, the, it might damage my reputation. Or maybe we won't have enough money to live in this house. We'll have to sell this house. What, do we have to, what if we have to move to a place we don't like? And, and you start to list all these things that you're going to lose. I mean, we may wonder, you know, is, does God know what it would cost me to go through with this, to do what he's calling me to do? And the thing is, often... When we believe God is calling us to do something that might cost us, uh, we tend to focus more on what we might lose if we do it than on the one who has called us to it. And faith, living by faith, is choosing to focus more on who God is as we uh, look at what he's calling us to. It's, it, it, faith is asking, it, it begs the question that Sam Patterson, uh, the evangelist Sam Patterson used to ask. How big is your God? That's a great question to ask when we're facing things like this. When, when we know God is calling us to do things that might cost us, we can step back and we can say, wait a second, how big is our God? 
And when we do that, it changes the way we see things and it empowers us. And so what I want to focus on this morning is one of the things I think we can see in this passage is that living by faith involves adopting a high view of the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God. And the more that we believe that God is sovereign, he's in control, he's big, he's in control of all things, and the more we believe that he truly is good, that's what empowers us to live by faith in the face of things that might cost us if we go forward in doing them as we seek to obey God. And so we're going to talk about these two benefits, really, these two benefits of our faith. Uh, one, as we, as we believe in the sovereignty of God, we really are less afraid of what the world might be able to throw at us or what consequences there might be for living according to God's word. And then as we focus on the goodness of God, that's what enables us to actually be able to choose to lose. Not just not being afraid of suffering, but also choosing to do so. So let's focus on those two things. First, let's talk about not being afraid. Look at verse 23. And then also verse 27 through 31. Keep your, keep your Bibles open. And we're talking about not being afraid here. Because as we focus on the bigness of God, the sovereignty of God, that's what helps us to become less afraid of what the world may do or what living by faith might cost us. I mean, this is what you have here. You have a list of people in this passage who were not afraid. Who were not afraid. And it says that explicitly a couple times. Look at verse 23. Verse 23 says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and that and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, Moses' parents' names are Amram and Jochebed. It tells us that in another place in scripture. And so here's this moment where they, uh, you know, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had said that all the Israelite boys that were born were to be killed because the Israelites were becoming uh, too big. There was too many of them. And he was afraid that they would uh, try to have an uprising. And so he told uh, the, everyone that, the, uh, that all of the Israelite boys that were born would have to be killed. And so Moses' parents in this moment, when he's born and he's a boy... You know, they're, they're faced with this challenge and they choose to go ahead and not follow the king's edict. They chose not to be afraid of what the king might do to them. And I would say because they're thinking about the bigness of God, the sovereignty of God. They're thinking about the fact that God, they know what God wants them to do. And they're wanting to do that regardless of the outcome. You see it again in verse 27. Look at 27 through 29, where it's talking, I think, about the Exodus. Verse 27 says, By faith he, that's Moses, left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured us seeing him who is invisible. And then uh, I think that verse 27 is a, a... like the, the big picture of leaving in the Exodus and then verse 29 and 30 are parts of the Exodus. So it talks about Passover. It talks about walking through the Red Sea. But the emphasis being that Moses was not afraid. He chose not to be afraid. And I would submit to you because he's thinking about the bigness of God, the sovereignty of God, the one who is calling him to do that. We could say the same for the Israelite army look at verse 30 it says by faith the walls of jericho fell down 
after they had been encircled for seven days. It doesn't say that they weren't afraid, but you would imagine that the theme carries, right? They weren't afraid of what might happen if they did this. And they also uh, were comfortable with doing things in a way that we probably wouldn't. I mean, when you think about it, if God called you and I to walk around a wall seven times and then yell real loud and then the walls will come down, you and I probably wouldn't say, well, yes, logically, that's what would happen. But they trust him. They, 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 their focus is on how big he is, how sovereign he is. Rahab, too. Look at Rahab. Um, 31 says, by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now, what's so interesting about Rahab, um, not only is she a prostitute and just shows how God welcomes all people who want to trust in him. But also, I love, if you, if you look at her mindset, she actually tells us uh, through uh, what it says about her in Joshua chapter 2. She says why she decides to throw her lot in with God. She wants to trust the God of the Israelites. If you were to turn there in Joshua 2, where it's talking about Rahab, uh, she's, she's going on about how she has heard uh, of what their God had done. Parting the Red Sea for them, uh, giving them victory over different kings and armies. And look what she says in verse 11. This is Rahab talking in Joshua 2, verse 11. She says, as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with me. So what, what, is, what gives her, you know, she's, she's basically risking her life. She's hiding these Hebrew spies. If the guards catch her, who knows what they might do to her. But she, because she believes in the bigness of God, the sovereignty of God, having heard what this God had done for his people, she chooses not to be afraid of, of what might happen to her. She says, the Lord your God is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. She trusted in the bigness, the sovereignty of God. And that's, that's what gives us courage to follow God and what he's leading us to, even though it might cost us. To remember that he's created the world. He's the creator and sustainer of all things. And he's working out his plan you know, think about this. Um, on Monday, we celebrated uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Okay, and we celebrate what he did for civil rights. We celebrate the way that he believed that all people are made in the image of God and are equally valuable and have dignity. Okay, and we celebrate all that took place in our country um, because of his uh, his speeches and his sermons. And his leadership in civil rights. But one of the things we have to remember is, the entire time, virtually, that Dr. King was seeking to advance civil rights, he knew people wanted to kill him. He knew his life was in danger. People told him that. He received death threats quite often. One time he got stabbed. Somebody stabbed him, and the wound was so bad that they said in the newspaper that if he had sneezed on the way to the hospital, he would have bled out. 
And that was 10 years before he was killed. And so he lived with this understanding that the world could kill him. The world could take him out. But he chose not to be afraid of that. He chose to believe in the, the sovereignty of God, the bigness of God, and that God was carrying out a plan. This is interesting. In, the, in his um, final sermon, in Dr. King's final sermon, which was the night before he died, he indicated that he, he figured he probably wouldn't live through the civil rights movement. Um, this is what he says in his sermon. He said, like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. And then later in the sermon, he said, I have seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So there's a man who believed in the bigness and the sovereignty of God and was therefore not afraid of what the world could do to him as he sought to follow God's will for him. And I think we can say the same back to Moses. Moses making these choices, not being afraid of what the king could do. Because he's thinking about who God is. And we know that because of verse 27. Look at verse 27. Verse 27 says that Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. You see that? How did he endure all the things that he went through? By seeing with his eyes of faith what he knew about God. The bigness of God. The sovereignty of God. The fact that God created and sustained all things. Because remember, that's a key part of faith. Living by faith is living not by sight, but by faith. Flip, flip in your Bibles back to uh, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Okay, the author started this chapter by saying, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And while you're there in Hebrews uh, 1, look at verse 3, or 11, verse 3, Hebrews 11. Verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now, how do we know that? (laughs) Because Moses wrote it down. And so Moses knows that he's dealing with the God of the universe, the God who's created and sustained all things. He knows that he's dealing with the sovereign God of the universe. And so... I would submit to you that he was focused on the bigness and the power and the sovereignty of God and that made him not afraid of what the world might throw at him. And when God is calling you and I to do things that in this world might cost us, what we want to focus on is who God is and how he's big, how he's sovereign, he's in control. That We we want to trust that if he's led us to this thing, he will lead us through this thing. And how can we apply that? Well, I think one of the things that we're all, we all tend to be really afraid of is, is sharing the gospel with people, right? Many of us uh, struggle to share the gospel with friends or coworkers because we're so afraid of what they might say or even what they might do. And we tend to spend all our time thinking about, well, what if they get mad at me or what if they don't want to talk to me or what if, what if, what if, and we, again, we spend all our time making a list of what could go wrong or what could happen and what we are, I think, we could do here as we think about this passage is instead ask ourselves, wait, how big is our God? Focus on the bigness and the sovereignty of God so that we have strength, so that we're not afraid of what might happen as we seek to obey him. Look at Hebrews, 
or just listen to Hebrews 1 verse 3. One of the very first things we found out in the book of Hebrews is that Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. Right? We, we are dealing with the sovereign creator and sustainer of all things. Think about the catechism answer, actually. Come to think of it from this morning. What is God? God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. So as we focus on who God is and that he's the sovereign ruler of all things, that there is not one maverick molecule, as R.C. Sproul used to say, that gives us courage to not be afraid. The other thing that we see here is not only can we, can, can we have God take away our fears as we, as we focus on who he is and his sovereignty, but also as we focus on his goodness, that's what empowers us to actually not only be willing to suffer for his name's sake, but actually choose to. Let's talk about choosing to lose. Look at verse 24 uh, through 26. And what I want you to see here is I think as we, as we focus on the goodness of God, that's what makes us actually willing to trust God now and suffer now, trusting that we'll be rewarded later. Okay? Living by faith means that we believe God will not ultimately leave us worse off than he found us. Uh, look at verse 24. It says, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. And so here's what you, Moses has given up all these amazing things, things that the world prizes riches, wealth, power. In order to be mistreated. He makes that choice. Because he's looking to the reward. He expects that God is good. He believes God is good. And if God calls him to go without things now. It's because he wants to give him better things in the future. He's looking to the reward. And if you think about Moses' choice. See Moses, you know, as it talks about here. He was Pharaoh's daughter. Meaning he was adopted by uh, the daughter of Pharaoh. And so, you know, he had everything. He was uh, an Egyptian through adoption. He lived as a prince. He had access to all the different pleasures uh, and all the treasures of Egypt. Yet he makes this choice to be identified as an Israelite. He chooses to be mistreated in order to be faithful to God. One of, the, one of the things to keep in mind here is that the author knows he's writing to people. The author of Hebrews knows he's writing to a church with people in it that are tempted to walk away because they know there's some pending persecution. And some of them might be thinking, you know what, it might be an actual better deal to just go ahead and bail on this Christianity thing and avoid suffering. And the author's calling to them through Moses' story to go ahead and remain committed to the faith and trust that God will get them through these things, that also that God will give them a reward. That when we suffer on account of our faith, God is good. He's not going to leave us worse off in the end than when he found us. 
I mean, otherwise, why would Moses make such a choice, right? He had to believe in the goodness of God. He had to believe in the reward. He had to believe that if he lost things, if he suffered, God would give them back or better things in the future because God is good. And look, we, we get this concept. We get denying ourselves things or going without things because of the promise of some sort of reward. I mean, most of us, it's still January, so some of us might still be on our diets, right, from our uh, New Year's resolutions, right? Three of us, me not, me not included, you know, um, there might be some of us. But why do we do that? When you diet, you, you are willingly saying, I'm going to go without these things. Some might be simple and some might not be, but you're saying, I'm going to do without. Because you think that as, over time, there's going to be that reward of better health, Right? I saw a meme that said, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels except donuts. <laughs> that is true. Um, but, you know, oh, by the way, and people who are on diets, your righteousness has not, is not tied to your diet. It is in Christ. So win or lose, you are righteous in Christ. Okay. That was probably for me as much as any of you. Now, um, but that concept now... I'll go without things of this world for my health so that the, the, the reward is the better health. And, and that's, we, we get that. And that's what God is revealing to us. He is good in the way that if he calls us to go without, if he calls us to do without, if he calls us to suffer, if he calls us to lose, if we have to experience what the Puritans used to call losses and crosses, he's good. And therefore, we can know for certain that in the end we receive everything back or we, we receive better things in the place of the things that we went without or we lost. Think about this. Paul talks about this in Roman or uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Very, very powerful. He says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, so our body and how we feel physically... Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Sound familiar? With the language, as in Hebrews. That's what he's saying. That's what God is saying to us. These things that we may go without, these things we may turn away, these things we may lose as we seek to follow him, they're all transient things anyway. They're temporary at best. And God is liberating us to set our sights and our joy on eternal things, on the reward that he has for us. J.C. Ryle says this, when we think about Moses... Uh, He says, marvel not that he refused greatness, riches, and pleasure. He looked far forward. He saw with the eye of faith kingdoms crumbling into dust, riches growing wings and fleeing away, pleasures leading to death and judgment, and Christ only and his little flock enduring forever. He saw with the eye of faith affliction lasting for but a moment, Reproach rolled away and ending in everlasting honor. 
and the despised people of God reigning as kings with Christ in glory. So what might it look like for us to be willing to choose to go without or do without or choose even to be mistreated because we know God will not, in the end, leave us worse off than when he found us? I think it for some it may look like changing our career so we're there for our family more. For some it might look like choosing to spend less time on some hobby so that you can devote more time to serving here at church. Maybe it looks like living off less of your income so you can give more to people who are in need. There's there's so many ways in which as we really trust in the goodness of God and see that if he calls us to go without or to suffer loss, he wants us to remember that there is the reward. Ultimately, the reward being himself and all the things he will bless us with in the next life. Now, we're not talking about salvation. Salvation is by grace, through faith, in Christ. It's a free gift. We're talking about the fact that God has promised that there will be rewards for our suffering. And I think this is why, in verse 26, uh, the author says about Moses that he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. In, in other words, he's saying, uh, in the same way Moses chose to face reproach and shame and disgrace, Christ also, the truer and better Moses, chose to face reproach and shame and disgrace. It just wasn't his, it was ours. And to a much greater degree than Moses. Moses obeyed God and by faith did what God was calling calling him to, choosing to suffer, choosing to lose, because he knew God is good and he believed there would be a reward. And Christ, the true and better Moses, also did what he did by faith, believing that there would be a very great reward. And the reward that Christ sought was you. And me. I mean, this is a picture of the gospel that the Son of God chooses to go without, chooses to suffer reproach, chooses to suffer shame, and even the cross on which he died and paid for our sins and transferred his righteousness to us who have faith. Christ. And his reward would be that you and I, for free, receive eternal life through faith in him. So one thing the gospel shows us is that as Jesus is the son of God, God God does call his children to go without and to go through suffering, but with the promise of a tremendous reward. And the other thing we see in the gospel is uh, the, the good news of the resurrection, right? Christ, the pioneer of our faith, the one who goes before us, has received his reward, right? He was raised from the dead. He's ascended into uh, heaven. He sits at the right hand of God the Father. And our guarantee that we'll have our reward is the fact that he has his. He's gone before us. And his suffering led to the great reward. Our suffering will be leading to our great reward being in his very presence. And the resurrection proves it. 
And so we can do without. We can suffer. We can go through anything. One, because we're not afraid, right? We're not afraid because God is big. God is sovereign. God is in control. And we can willingly do so because God is good. And he will not leave us worse off than when he found us. And the fact that Christ has earned his reward is the guarantee that we will receive ours. All because of Christ. All through Christ. And for the glory of Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we uh, wrestle, we live in a world that's so fixated on pleasure right now and on immediate instant gratification. And you are so loving to tear us clean off of that recipe for disaster. And would you... uh, Would you help us to really believe in your sovereignty and not be afraid of what the world can do to us? Would you help us to believe in your goodness and know for certain you will not leave us in the end worse off than when you found us, but rather with the riches of your son as we experience eternal life with you and him and the Holy Spirit. And may that day come soon. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.